President Robert, Rotarians and guests, it really is a great honour for me to be able to introduce our Grand Master of Freemasonry in Victoria, Keith Murray, who's sitting just right in front of us. You would have all seen a, a biography of Keith. Uh, Keith comes from Scotland and he's been in the country for about 20 years. By profession, he's a quantity surveyor and real estate agent and he's a fourth generation Freemason. He's played a very important part in Freemasonry over the last few years, helping to take it forward and make it more open and more transparent. I mean, who would have thought 20 or 30 years ago you'd be asking the Grand Master to come and speak at Rotary so publicly to a group like this. So with no further ado, I'd like to invite you, Keith, to take the podium and tell us all about Freemasonry in the 21st century. Thank you, Philip, and uh, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for the invitation. And it's so kind that uh, your president actually is here as my official interpreter as well. So, <laughs> Before I talk about the uh, 21st century, maybe I should give you some background to Freemasonry because some of you might have only heard of it but don't really know much about it. Freemasonry had its origins in the medieval trade guilds, building the cathedrals. At that time, stonemasons would travel from town to town looking for work. And as one of the most highly paid trades of the time, so the need was to ensure proper wages were paid to those who had the necessary qualifications. Therefore, the stonemasons created a fairly unique system, which included not only an educational system to train craftsmen, but a way of identifying themselves to other stonemasons based upon the level of craftsmanship they had attained. At each building, the principal stonemason in charge of the project was called a master mason. A general stonemason was called a fellow of the craft, and a craftsman under the seven-year apprenticeship scheme was called an entered apprentice. Given these men were illiterate, it was not possible to do this by certificates of letters of recommendation, neither was there a central employment agency. So the identifiers they invented was a code word and a secret handshake. Also that when an entered apprentice, also that when an entered apprentice became a qualified fellow of the craft, he became entitled to use his own signature on any stone he created, thus allowing him to be paid for each piece of stone. The signature would generally be a shape or arrangement of lines, and this mark became very important for him to be paid. These lodges then became more regularized and tended to be located, sorry. The groups working as stonemasons would usually have a shed attached to the building for getting together, eating meals and shelter, positioned on the south side of the building and called a lodge. Hence, we as Freemasons now call our groups of Freemasons lodges. I am a member of lodges both here in Melbourne, but also in Scotland and in Malaysia. I joined these lodges simply because of friendships formed and my desire to meet up with those friends who had a shared value system and were passionate about being the best men they could be, the best husband, father and son. Sometime in the 16th and 17th century, as the guilds became more regulated and controlled by the town halls, 
The purpose of these stonemason guilds changed somewhat. Some of this was to do with commerce, as some master stonemasons became wealthy and so employed more men, but didn't actually do the work themselves. And in turn, their sons took over the running of the businesses. For them to know how to distinguish tradesmen, so they had to know the words and handshakes. They were given a slightly different title. As they were not properly qualified as stonemasons, rather they became freemasons, as they were not workers. As these lodges then became more regularized and tended to be located in specific towns, not just attaching to buildings, records, records of meetings were held, and the first minute book of any lodge is held in Scotland and dates back to 1589. Over time, these owners started to introduce their wealthy friends into the system, basically, basically because of the intrigue and mystery, and became interested to those with an inquiring mind and possibly too much time on their hands. The nature of these lodges then became a gathering place of like-minded men. The first nobleman that can actually be said to become a Freemason was Sir Robert Morey at the age of 31. He'd studied at St Andrews University, was an expert in science and technology, and on joining the, joining the army, he became the quartermaster general of the Scottish army, which invaded England in 1640 invading Newcastle. As a reward for this endeavour, he was initiated as a Freemason into Lodge of Edinburgh in 1641. Other nobles and men of substance then started to join us. It became something fashionable. In Scotland around this time, it's believed there were about 60 recognised lodges in the principal towns. The lodges became known for having men free-thinking promoting such radical ideas at the time as the equality of men, democracy, and the separation of the judiciary, parliament, and religious sectors. They went on to be create in 1717 in England, a new grand lodge was formed, which was distinct in that it was purely for Freemasons and not stonemasons. This model was then copied in Ireland in 1725, France 1728, Sweden, 1735, Germany in 1740, Virginia in 1778. So over the centuries, it became a worldwide organization, and currently there are some 5 million members in all three countries across the globe. In America, many believe the Freemasons' lodges became the gathering place of the rebels, striving for independence from Great Britain. Certainly, George Washington, a member of a Scottish lodge, John Adams and Benjamin Franklin were all Freemasons, as were many other leaders during the War of Independence. Meantime, on the other side of the world in Australia, fair to, think, fair to say things were not quite the same. Transporting convicts was not a very fashionable occupation, and being a convict, even less so. So whilst the Europeans settled here in 1788, it was not until 1813 that the first recorded meeting of a Freemason's Lodge took place in Sydney. Governor Lachlan Macquarie was a Freemason, but so far as we are aware, he did not attend any lodge meeting in Sydney. Here in Victoria, the first lodge was created under the Irish Constitution in 1821, and in 1829, Lodge Australia was formed under the English Constitution and a lodge called Co-Winning under the Scottish Constitution in 1840. 
So progress in Australia was quite slow compared to other parts of the world, possibly because it was not real a society with a large number of gentlemen or nobles. However, by 1860, a Grand Lodge of Victoria did exist. And in 1889, the United Grand Lodge of Victoria was formed, and Sir William Clark, Baronet of Rupertswood, of Ashes fame, became the first Grand Master at that time. The installation or inauguration took place in Melbourne Town Hall. However, the headquarters of the Freemasons at that time was 25 to 33 Collins Street, exactly where we are now. It was only until 1969 or the mid-60s that that uh, changed when we moved to the Dallasbrook site in East Melbourne, which had previously been the uh, Presbyterian Ladies' College before they moved out to Burwood. In Victoria, we obviously uh, developed, as many of you may know, the Royal Freemasons Homes, which was the first provider of aged care in Victoria, and that was in 1864. The Freemasons Hospital in East Melbourne was opened in 1937. Each year, over those years, we have given many uh, millions of money to uh, charity and scholarships, and in 2018, over three million was given out in Victoria alone. Freemasonry had two great bursts of expansion after the two world wars, primarily men coming home and looking for support and to be amongst men with shared experience, but also looking to make something of themselves. For the aims of Freemasonry have been and continue to be to practice universal charity, provide opportunities for self-development, build friendships, foster high moral standards, and seek excellence in all pursuits. In simple terms, we seek to make good men better, and in so doing, make the world a better place, one man at a time. Fashions have changed. And for some time, possibly because of 200,000 Freemasons being killed by the Nazis in the Second World War, the organization became very inward-looking and actually banned any member of speaking publicly of their membership or encouraging anyone to join. That is no longer the case. Many of us proudly wear our square and compass. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, there have been countless books and documentaries published, and some were for scandalous reasons, but others, like Dan Brown's Da Vinci Code, basically pronounced that Freemasonry was an organization of good men supporting each other, their families, and the community at large, but which, for various misplaced reasons, had gained an unfair reputation. We are addressing that now. Currently, we are attracting many new men to join, and we anticipate this year having between three to 400 new men joining Freemasonry in Victoria. The average age of those new men is 36 years of age. We are a male organization, but we don't shy away from that. Other groups, such as the Country Women's Society, equally have decided that for their members, there is value in remaining separate. However, our only limitation is on men joining in our ceremonies. My lodge has our wives and partners attend every meeting. And whilst we might be in lodge carrying out our ceremonies, the ladies are being entertained, usually by somebody who is an experienced uh, speaker 
or it could be somebody that's teaching them self-defense, uh, champagne tasting, chocolate tasting, various different forms of entertainment, and then we come together for a meal. When I was installed as Grand Master of Freemasons Victoria last year at the Crown Palladium, there were over 1,200 men and ladies attended that ceremony with representatives from 22 different countries. In conclusion, I would just like to say I'm very proud to be a custodian of Freemasonry in Victoria, and as the 43rd Grand Master, I would welcome any questions you might have. <laughs>